When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Looking forward to having a guest in studio at 7.30 tonight. Spencer Allen in the spring won the uh, U Sports Student Athlete Community Service Award. U of A pole vaulter who's had an excellent career doing it while uh, overcoming testicular cancer. So Spencer's going to pop in the studio to tell his story. Uh, coming up as well, you will hear from Jake DeBrusque from the Boston Bruins, Matt Benning from your Edmonton Oilers. Eskimos lose on Labor Day again. Again, 25-9, Calgary winning it today as the Eskimos failed to score a touchdown in a game for the third time this season. They have lost eight in a row on uh, Labor Day. As part of this Labor Day losing streak, they have also lost the Labor Day rematch five of seven times. So they did win last year in that classic game, 48-42. The Eskimos, uh, remember, built up that big lead on Calgary Stamps, tried to come back late, had that Hail Mary into the end zone on the final play, and uh, the receiver couldn't quite hang on. Stats-wise today, Trevor Harris for the Eskimos goes 27 for 35. That's that's pretty good, but only 216 yards. Bo Levi Mitchell goes 19 for 28 for 263. Here's, here's a stat here. Trevor Harris... Averaging 6.2 yards per pass. So not just per completion, per pass. Averaging 6.2 yards. Bo Levi today, 9.4. So that tells you something uh, right there. That Stampeders dropping back to throw can pretty much rely on uh, almost getting a first down while Edmonton only getting about 6 yards per pass. So tough numbers, uh, tough couple of weeks here for the Eskimos. Bubba says, if you're not getting to the quarterback, stop rushing five guys, drop players into the backfield, stop the run, stop the defense, and on offense, time for the Eskimos to go for it. They need touchdowns. Luke says, is Moss still the offensive coordinator? I didn't realize that. If that's the problem, he can't juggle juggle two jobs. It's too important in pro football. That's Luke texting in again. Well, yeah, Jordan Maximic is listed as the offensive coordinator. Jason Moss calls the plays uh, on game day. And James says, for all you Jason Moss haters out there, take a chill pill. There isn't going to be a head coaching change until the offseason. And uh, I, I would I would say that as well. If there is a, is a head coaching change, uh, it would be in the offseason. Very, very rare that it happens midseason in football in general. All right, Brian on the line, 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Reed, how are you? Pretty good, how are you? Not bad. I watched that football game. Did you watch it? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to start off by, by saying, uh, yeah, the lack of touchdowns. Um, 
No, no uh, production in the red zone again. Um, I put this, I put this definitely on coaching. Uh, but I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when when we played Calgary today, and Harris was was looking looking for receivers and not not finding any, is this is this uh, ta- our talent? Is this our talent not good enough, or is this execution, or is it play calling? I think it depends on the play. I mean, first of all, I mean, first of all, Calgary's a good team, so I don't want to make Absolutely. it sound like the Eskimos should have got sixty points. But I mean, yeah. even if they score a one touchdown in the first half, it changes everything. Here's what I think: I think there are too many plays that are short passes to stationary receivers, and those are pretty easy for the defense to defend because they can run up and tackle a guy who's not moving. I, I think there's too much trying to hit a guy and then hope to get yak or get a couple blocks as opposed to throwing a ball where if a guy catches it, even if he's tackled immediately, it's still a first down. Like, I like those medium passes, yep. 8 to 15 yards. So I think some of it is, is the play calling. Yep. And, and then like we were talking about earlier, clearly there's some execution errors, like the Collins drop, you know, the, the third down, the failed third down play late in the game. You know, I realize it's miracle territory for the Eskimos, but that throw is is two feet behind Collins. If it's if it's on the money, that, yep. that that's a touchdown. So that's a right. bunch of things are adding up here. Yeah. I mean Calgary I, missed some plays today too, but but Edmonton missed more. Yeah. The, the the Harris I think is a good quarterback, first of all and foremost. But I've noticed when he's under pressure he throws into traffic when he doesn't have to. Uh and and there was a few times against Winnipeg and he did it again today. But having said that who have we beat this year? Nobody. We beat, we beat Toronto twice. We beat BC twice. Ottawa, and and and, two, and barely beat Montreal. We, I personally, I don't think we're good enough. Like it, I think this game clearly shows there's something missing, and I, certainly it's touchdowns. But why? What, what? What is it that we're missing? And when I saw Harris looking downfield, it's like there was nobody open. And, and that's what it appeared to be. I didn't see. They didn't show the receivers running down the field, but when he was looking downfield, it's like there was nothing there. Now that tells me we're being out talented because of Calgary's defensive backs, or or it's play calling. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, somebody brought up Duke Williams earlier. I mean, they had Brian Mitchell last year, but I mentioned this as well, Brian. Mike Riley, who is who's still a good player, he's getting his brains beat out, unfortunately, in BC this year. The the knock on him was they'd have second and three, and he'd audible out of a run and try a thirty yard pass. Yeah. And now the knock on Harris is it's second and five, and and they're running plays that gain two or three yards. It's like they 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 got to and and maybe they are missing it. Maybe they are missing. A deep threat, and the defense just yeah. feels they can jump every route, and, and nobody's going to yeah. burn by them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a diehard Eskimo fan, and I, I I I hope this is not it. I mean, I hope this isn't, this isn't the highlight of the year, but we're not going to go very far if this is it. And I hate to say it, I, I think Moss is a pretty good coach. I don't think he's a great coach, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's going to be the next fall guy if if this is it, um, because. Because I agree, even the Winnipeg game, the last game, first and ten, the first six or seven plays was a handoff to Gable for one or two yards, and that was it. And Winnipeg read that like a book, 
It was so predictable. And I mean, at least this game, there's a little bit of a little bit of different play calling on, on first downs, but we got to do more on first downs. That's killing us. Well, that's a good point, too, because if you're second and, and seven or eight, then then you are limited, too, in what you can call, and the defense knows what's coming. Brian, thank yeah. you. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. Get to a couple more calls here. Hey, it's Matt from Section O. Matt, go ahead. Hey, Reed, how are you doing, buddy, today? Good, good. Go ahead, Matt. So I caught a stat on the points after show with Morley and Dave. I think this was Sean White's ninth field goal inside the 21-yard line. Was that correct? I, I believe that's what they said, yes. It's uh, My interpretation as to what's happening is I agree with the previous caller where he was talking about Trevor Harris is throwing into double coverage when he doesn't have to. He's throwing uh, close to the DBs when he doesn't have to. But that's because what we're all talking about is this predictable offense is they're making the short passes to the receivers and they're hoping to get the yak yards after. So what that forces the defenses on Calgary and what was happening last game against Winnipeg is they just load the box up. Okay, so Trevor Harris throws the six-yard pass, seven-yard pass, two-yard pass, and they just run up and tackle him. And then essentially that's what you have all game. And we're up in the stands today just screaming at Harris just to take a shot downfield, and then they do, and then they get it. And unfortunately he kind of just swung out of bounds on the on the five-yard line. But one thing that I don't think anybody else is really talking about is we gave up 186 yards rushing last game against Winnipeg. And I don't know what it was this game, but it was high up there as well. Uh, so that's two games in a row. Sorry? I think it was over 200. We'll just double check. So that's two games in a row. I think my phone's cut out. No, we got you. Go ahead. Oh, he is gone. Two hundred yard, uh, 201 yards rushing for Calgary today on 25 carries, 8 yards uh, per carry. Uh, Big G says, Jason Moss surrounds himself with too many yes-men assistant coaches, does not allow for critical thinking beyond the realm of what he thinks is right. And Jeremy from Glendon says, hey, Reed, Kristen Jones had a good game today, big returns, but taken back by penalties, could have got away a few more times, if not for desperate tackles. Calgary brings it big time for this game. Always seems like Edmonton uh, can't put something together early. They look forward to the rematch. And uh, Jeremy says, shout out to Matt from Section O for organizing another great Eskimos fan section today. And we also have Brent on line three. Hey, Brent. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm glad you called. No, I, I agree with the previous callers. There's some really good points brought up. And I'm, I mean, the, ne- the next half of the schedule is pretty much the toughest one of the year. I mean, it won't take long until we could be looking definitely at a crossover. But one thing, it's kind of like you got 30,000 people plus the McMahon and I, the, the team just doesn't look amped up. I mean, they can't all be on coaching. The, the players just don't look like they're ready to play today. I'll let you go with that thought. Okay, thanks, Brent. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, I, I hear the frustration. Certainly, I was feeling it watching the game as well. And and we, it is a trend now. Six and five. Uh, the one caller said, "Who have they beaten?" And I know, and I, I, this was brought up earlier in the season, but I, I don't really buy that early in the year when you've only played three or four games because you know a team might be uh, might have a loss or two but if you've if you've beaten them to give them that loss then you kind of got to wait to see how things play out but the eskimos at 6 and 5 have beaten 1 and 9 bc twice they've beaten 1 and 9 toronto twice they have beaten 3 and 7 ottawa and they have gone 1 and 1 against 5 and 4 montreal montreal is an interesting team they don't forget they won in calgary a couple weeks ago Edmonton has gone 0-2 against 6-4 Calgary 
and uh, 0-2 against 8-3 Winnipeg. They've they've yet to play 7-3 Saskatchewan. They've yet to play 9-2 Hamilton. So it is going to be tough at 6-5. And, and uh, these losses here to Calgary and, and Winnipeg, I, I mean, it's uh, first place, I think, has, is uh, a pipe dream at this point. Okay, second maybe. You, you got to win the rematch, and then you have two games against Saskatchewan later in the year. Seven seventeen. Thanks to all the calls. Uh, like I said, we got Paul Walter, Spencer, Allen coming in to uh, talk about. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But overcoming cancer to continue his great university career. And uh, when you get back, an Edmonton kid who was one win away from the Stanley Cup, but his Bruins couldn't quite get there. We'll talk to Jake DeBrusque. <laughs> Hi, this is Armando Sewell of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Chad. Be tuning in tonight, live edition of Inside Sports on this Labor Day Monday. Back tomorrow at six, the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss and Morley Scott will be tomorrow because of today's game. It'll be on at seven thirty. Kellen Kennedy working on the other side of the window. Kellen, how are you doing, old boy? Doing good, Reed. How about you? Good, good, good to see you. Good to see you. Hope you had a good Labor Day. Bummer of a game. Yeah, but real bummer of a game for like they, the eighth uh, year in a row. So. Now, are you uh, working Saturday's game? Or are you attending Saturday's game? I will be attending Saturday's game. It's been uh, a while since I've been able to attend a game this season, so I'm looking forward to seeing all the new and fancy stuff uh, they got up at the stadium this year. So, Well, I will say this. Last year's Labor Day rematch... I was there last year. It was, was amazing. one of the... I, I've had season's tickets to the Esmo since 1997. That would be a, a top-five game that, that I've witnessed. 48-42 yeah. for the Eskimos. Wild game, back and forth... I mean, the Eskimos were driving to possibly get over 50 points, and, mm-hmm. and Riley fumbled on the five, and Calgary was able to come back with a couple touchdowns and then had that, that late Hail Mary that obviously would have, would have tied it, and then they would have had the extra point to, to win it, which they which they likely would have made. That, that was a, a classic game for sure, so hopefully the Eskimos bounce back uh, in the rematch after falling 25-9 today. The other game, Hamilton over Toronto, 38-27. Got NCAA football on the TV here. Five and a half minutes left in the first half. It is Notre Dame taking on Louisville. Tons of uh, college football over the weekend. Notre Dame ranked number nine. Louisville unranked. It is 14-14, 5-21 left in the first half. A lot of football to talk about and a lot of hockey. The Oilers' rookie camp will start on Thursday. They have a rookie game in Red Deer against the Flames rookies this Saturday. So uh, I, I will not be attending the rematch. I'll be heading to Red Deer to cover that game. And then we'll have a live hockey broadcast for you next Tuesday, September 10th from Calgary as, uh, once again, the Oilers' rookies will be taking on the Flames' rookies. And training camp starting on the 13th. And one young man who was uh, skating in Edmonton last week at the Perry Pern 3-on-3 camp was Jake DeBrusque for the Boston Bruins. Man, his Bruins making it out of that tough series against the Leafs, going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. 
lost game five at home, had that uh, tough call on the non-tripping penalty go against them that led to a Blues goal, went into St. Louis, stayed alive in game six, but then could not win game seven on home ice. And I uh, talked to Jake. Well, Jake, uh, good to see you. How was the summer? It was good. It was, uh, you know, obviously fast. It was a short one this year, but, um, you know, back on the ice skating now and just kind of getting in the swing of things and, um, you know, good to spend time with uh, family and friends. There's... 29 teams that would have loved to be in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. You guys were there, but it but it didn't go your way. So how do you sort of uh, reflect on what you know a lot of franchises would have loved to have, but you, you guys didn't get that one more victory? Yeah, it's uh, it's honestly hard to forget. I think that obviously wasn't the way that we wanted it to go, and um, you try to take hockey out of your mind as soon as it's over because it's a lot that comes at you. And um, like you said, there's every team that's that's the goal is to try to get to that point where you have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And um, you know, obviously a game where it's Game Seven, it's 50-50, and um, it's not come out on, on top. It's it's a big learning experience for myself. And um, you know, it was actually tough to handle, especially at the um, you know forefront of everything when it was going on. It's 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 a lot to deal with, but gives you lots of motivation for uh, you know training and different things like that with the shorter summer did you have to what kind of adjustments did you have to make to your training you know did you talk to any other guys who'd been deep in the playoffs about how they handled it uh, yeah a little bit like uh, just the guys off our team that have been there before and um, you know just little bits and pieces from different guys whether they're in Edmonton or around town and um, it was different it was actually pretty hard this year it's it's hard to get in the swing of things and especially just from an emotional mental standpoint everyone thinks it's physical but um, you just went through war for two and a half months and didn't get the result that you wanted and you know you see the Stanley Cup on the ice and, um, and you're not raising it it's, it's a little hard to swallow and you don't necessarily want to go back in the mix right away but um, you don't have the privilege of time so you just try to uh, get your training in when you can and really listen to your body because it, it gets battered up and um, you know just try to get back in full swing of things and the good thing about playing that late is you don't feel like you've missed much when you come back but in saying that some guys have trained for about three months so you just try to catch up to that. Boston's been a very good team for a lot of years now trips to the Stanley Cup final a Stanley Cup championship you know you've joined the team and they've continued to be very good the word culture gets thrown a lot in hockey maybe too much sometimes but I'll ask I'll ask you this way what is the culture of the Boston Bruins uh, yeah I might agree with you that's a it's a pretty vague term you it know is. everyone talks about the culture and you know what is culture and I think culture is like the biggest thing that I noticed with culture in Boston is the leadership I think that's kind of comes hand in hand with each other and just the older guys whether it's obviously comes from Z and we have about seven or eight other guys that um, you know are veterans and have been there, and we have lots of respect for. And I think the biggest thing with culture in Boston is they want to make you feel as comfortable as possible, as as fast as possible. And um, you know, coming in as a young guy and you, know, you dream of playing in the NHL, trying to make a team, and having that kind of you know throw in your face almost, it, it actually helps really like a lot. So um, you know, you're nervous just to make a pass out there, and then you talk to them, hang out with them a couple of times, and um, you know, the thing that we do with our team, and the reason why I thought we were so successful last year is we do everything as a group and. Um, um, there's not really clicks. There's there's different different types of things where guys have you know families back home and different guys hang out. But on the road, we're all together, and I think that's why we're so good. And also the culture, I think that's what helps it. Have you embraced playing for one of the most popular and most hated teams in the NHL? <laughs> yes, I have. Ever since I heard uh, heard my name, I was all for Boston, and uh, definitely uh, you know found that out this year. Um, you know, obviously uh, my first year we went to the second round, and there's definitely some hatred there. But you know, as we kept progressing this year it seemed like there is a lot of people against us but saying that there's also a lot of people with us and um, you know original six team and so much history and um, you know people from Boston are uh, you know pretty crazy so they love us there. 
and what step would you like to take in your game this year? Uh, just overall improvement. I think that, again, it's a vague answer, but it's true. I think that um, obviously this is a big year for us as a team coming off of a run like that. We want to try to repeat and, and obviously change the ending. So to, to do that with the division that we're in and how it's gotten better, we're going to have to come out strong. And, um, you know, our previous two years, our starts haven't been the best. So um, personally, I'm looking to come out of the gates, you know, flying and um, just as everyone else is at this time of year. All right, that is Jake DeBrusque of the Boston Bruins. It is 7.27. We're coming up to the 7.30 news. We're going to meet a very special athlete from the U of A Golden Bears track and field team, pole vaulter Spencer Allen. Excellent in his sport and excellent away from the sport. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Award as well, won the U Sports Student Athlete Community Service Award last season. He'll tell his story. He survived cancer. That's coming up inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, Trevor Harris, a frustrated man after today's Eskimos 25-9 loss to the Calgary Stampeders. Harris has never beaten the Stampeders in his CFL career, has a couple of ties. The Eskimos have lost eight in a row on Labor Day. Also today, Tiger Cats over the Argos 38-27. FC Edmonton, a nil-nil draw against the Halifax Wanderers. On the weekend in the Prairie Football Conference, the Edmonton Huskies lose a close one to the Hilltops, 24-22. Huskies are now 2-1, and Hilltops 3-0. The Edmonton Wildcats get their first win of the year. They're 1-2 and after beating the Colts, 23-16. The Colts drop to 0-3. My name is Reed Wilkins, live edition of Inside Sports on Labor Day. It is 7:34. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Very special guest in studio. I am uh, pleased to have this gentleman on the show uh, after, uh, well, we spent a few weeks trying to arrange a time and we finally found one. Spencer Allen is in studio. Spencer, great to see you. Thanks, Reed. It's great to see you too. Now, I, I introduced you as, uh, and, and it's I introduced you as a U of A pole vaulter and a cancer survivor, and Correct. we're, we're going to tell that story. That Those are sort of, I, I know there's more to your life than that, but those are sort of the headlines. Uh, well, let's start Let's start with, with the, the sports stuff, though I know it's all kind of weaved together. Pole vault is one of those sports where, I mean, look, most of us as kids, you got to do track and field. So, every you know, you can run, you can throw the discus, you can yeah. do shot put. And then pole vault is always those ones like it is it is another level. There's a there's a lot going on there. How did you first get into it? Yeah, um, it's not a not a sport that a lot of people have an opportunity to try. So I, I was quite lucky through my um, track and field club back in Kamloops. Um, they offered some pole vault um, sessions and gave it a try. And I, I kind of like the uh, the challenge with it. No matter 
um, how much time you put into it, it seems like um, you still have so much to work on. And there's always, you know, as you get better, you're moving on to bigger poles. So there's always a, a bigger challenge to be faced with it, which is which is tough sometimes, but also can be uh, quite satisfying. So what grade were you first tried it? Um, I believe grade eight or nine. It was okay. early high school, yeah. And this was, again, Kamloops where you grew up? yeah. So were you good at it initially, or was it just something about it that made you want to work at it? It, it definitely took some work. I, I was, to be honest, a little scared. Um, I was pretty nervous the first time. Um, if, if you've ever seen it, there's a hole in the ground that we call the box, right. where the pole goes in. And, you know, to a to a young high school kid, it, it looks like a great place to fall and hurt yourself, you know, when you first look <laughs> at it. And uh, so, yeah, it took a little bit to overcome that. But um, once I got going, I just, yeah, I could never quit. It was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What parts of your body... Well, I mean, I know as an athlete, you got to be have strength all around. But what parts of the body are really key in in terms of pole vaulting? Absolutely. Um, so th- there's there's a few different, I guess, phases of it. You could talk about the the run up and the approach, where you're you're building the speed and you're trying to um, build the speed and transfer that into energy into the pole. So you have to be fast on the runway, um, quick, and and be able to transfer that once you jump off the ground. So a good jumper. Um, and then having good body awareness and, you know, upper body strength and kind of trunk stability and everything to manipulate yourself um, and try to gain that energy back from the pole. Um, right. So quite a combination um, of different aspects, I guess, involved there. Okay. Yeah. So tons of other training then, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we usually, you know, have um, elements of, you know, sprinting, um, sprint training, um Gymnastics training, uh, weightlifting, um, and then a lot of specific strength, you know, pole vault exercises and different drills related to, to pole vault itself, yeah. Okay, and uh, tell me about uh, your decision to come to the U of A. Yeah, so that, I think that was in uh, the summer of 2015. Um, the coach that I had um, in Kamloops actually moved back down to the States to coach for a college there. Okay. Um, and I had considered coming to the U of A previously, but due to um, kind of my health and, and everything at the time, it didn't seem like the best option. I decided to stay home and keep training there. Um, and uh, and it seemed like the right time to move, you know, make the move here. And I'd been in contact with um, Corey Choma, Mark Cox, and Wes Mormon, the head coach of the university, for, for a couple of years on and off. And um, we had had some conversations about, you know, potentially coming out. And then, so once I finally was ready for it, we um, kind of put it all into place to, to move out here and transfer things over. So, okay. Yeah. So, well, pretty good youth sports career. What do you have at nationals? Two silvers and two golds in pole vault? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was bad. pretty lucky. Yeah. Well, one of the, uh, one of the best in the country. Uh, what, what you, you finished in school, your undergrad in, in the spring? Yeah. Just in April. What uh, did you graduate with? Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology. Okay. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Now, uh, as we mentioned, part of your story is, uh, you know, you've, you've had to battle cancer here. You're 26 now? Yeah, turning 26. A- and yeah. uh, tell us about this, when this uh, first, unfortunately, became part yeah. of your life. Um, so, yeah, I just graduated high school um, back in 2011. Um, I guess I would have been 17 at the time. And uh, I was um, diagnosed with testicular cancer um, that year. Um, and I had undergone surgery that summer. Everything looked really good. Um, the margins appeared to be clear, you know, it, it was really good prognosis. 
um, after about a year, not I didn't quite make it a year, I, I uh, went back in for routine scanning and they found a lymph node in my abdomen that was enlarged. Okay. Um, and so it, uh, it appeared that the cancer had returned. So that fall, I underwent chemotherapy. Um, and it seemed to respond really well to the chemo again. And so it, it shrunk down and everything they could tell, it looked like it was improving. And then just short of a, a year again later, um, in 2013, they, uh, through more imaging and tumor markers, um, found that it had returned again in the same, same lymph node there. Man. Yeah. So it was, uh, a bit of a, a bit of a tough period there, those few years. And, um, so I, I had a final surgery in 2013 um, where they removed quite a quite a large area of tissue kind of around the lymph node and they you know they had said that there's no guarantee that there aren't some cancer cells that have spread um, but everything since has come back clear so um, yeah I'm just very very fortunate well and, yeah. so I mean you're between the ages of 17 and 20. Mm-hmm. Well, you're finishing high school. You're you're a great athlete. You're you're looking ahead, and and you're and you're battling this over and over again. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty pretty hard to imagine. T- just tell me a little bit about you know your attitude and, and and maybe people who helped you through that. For sure, yeah. Um, I was lucky to be surrounded by a lot of incredible people. You know, my family, my my parents, my mom. Um, she went to every appointment with me. Um, throughout those years and and uh you know was there taking notes beside me and helping me through everything i had such a great support in the track and field community at home um our family friends and just the community in general there was um they had some different community events that they that they hosted and friends of ours had put on and uh, it was an amazing level of support that i received but um it was definitely a a shock at first and i think without that help um and the support through it you know i it would have been a lot tougher to to make it through all of that for sure and obviously this would have derailed certainly your athletic career so how how much of a yeah battle was that then to, to come back from from the illness yeah and it was tough every um every time i was diagnosed or had a recurrence it it definitely set me back a little bit um you know, one of the things that I was, I was very lucky through the treatments. I, I was always focused on getting back to the track. And so, um, that was a big motivator with the rehab, with, um, the actual going through the treatments, you know, when I was on chemotherapy, I would, um, the, the drug I was on, I would cycle through every three weeks. So I do, uh, five, five days of treatment and then have two weeks off, five, um, five days of treatment, two weeks off, um, for, for various cycles mm-hmm. and in between on each recovery period you know I'd finish the the treatment and I would you know have trouble walking to the end of our our street and then every day I'd go a little bit further a little bit further and by the second week you know the last few days I would make it out to the track and I wouldn't be able to do too much there but I'd try to do you know a little bit of a track warm-up and try to keep my head kind of focused on getting back and I think that was a big thing that kept me motivated through it throughout the whole whole uh, experience so you kept pretty focused that you were going to get through it and be a, a high level athlete again absolutely yeah. yeah that was always my my focus and i was very lucky the doctors you know took that into consideration with some of the um symptoms that i was having related to the chemo drugs so they adjusted to make sure that you know i didn't have balance issues afterwards so i was i was very fortunate that um the doctors as well you know 
took that seriously and, and helped me, you know, be able to get back training as soon as I could afterwards. You're listening to Spencer Allen in studio, Golden Bears pole vaulter. I mentioned his uh, outstanding career in U sports, two gold medals, two silver medals at nationals. And also in the spring, you were awarded the U sports student athlete community service award. Uh, pretty, pretty high honor. And I'm sure you're maybe in a different way, but as proud of it as the national medals you've won. Absolutely. That, that was an incredible honor. And um, just to be named um, amongst, you know, as a, as a nominee amongst the other uh, the candidates was, was an incredible honor. There's amazing people who have done amazing things um, throughout their time. And I, yeah, I feel very fortunate to have, to have received that. And what kind of, tell us about the work you did to get noticed for that. Tell for them sure. when it. Uh, so uh, quite a combination of different things, but I um, took on a different role on the team this past year um, as one of the team captains, and um, which was a challenge for myself. I tend to be more reserved, you know, quieter, you know. Um, so it was it was an interesting experience for me, a growing experience. Um, I, I hope, you know, I tried to set a good example, especially for the younger incoming athletes, you know, tried to lead by example and everything. So that was quite a good experience for myself. Um, I also had the the opportunity to uh, um, volunteer with uh, cancer study um, at the university. I I did my practicum um, through my kinesiology degree with the behavioral medicine lab at the U of A, mm-hmm. um, and then I had a chance to stay on and volunteer afterwards. And uh, and uh, I recently was just hired by the lab, so it's it's been very rewarding to be able to work in a field where um, I can relate to the the struggles of the different part- participants. And then you, so you talk to people who are going through similar Absolutely. treatment that you would have been? Yeah, so there's uh, not any uh, studies being run on testicular cancer uh, survivors currently, but uh, uh, various other um, cancer um, cancers that are yeah being, yeah being run in the lab there. Well, it's it's uh, it's an incredible path you you've been on. I mean, obviously one that it, that has been difficult, but you, you've you've clearly plowed through it, and and uh, and you're working now to help other people who who might be in similar situations. Athletically now, what and you just were at not U Sports Nationals, but Canadian Correct, Nationals yeah. in Montreal, so you're competing for that as well. Uh, what is ahead for you now this school year? Because you're not going to school technically yeah absolutely so i'll uh be working in the lab um kind of throughout the year and really focusing on training Mm -hmm. um this year's a big year being an olympic year um but i just again want to take track as far as i can um kind of at this point in my life when i hopefully i'm in my prime here in the next few years and and really uh push things as far as i can so i'd I, i think i have a lot more in me and unfortunately this year dealing with some injuries i don't think i really got to see where where that went mm-hmm. um so i i hope this next year going in i've taken some steps hopefully to be a lot healthier um dealt with some of the injuries hopefully um so i i think this year will be a better uh, sign of kind of what's to come and yeah uh, no in terms of in terms of your training will you how how many stupid question but i don't know like when you practice pole vault for lack of a better yeah. term will you set okay i'm gonna try 
this height today or you do okay i'm going to do a few lower heights that i know i can clear easily just to get in the groove and then how, how do you how do you work the practice session yeah that, that's a good question not not a not a bad question at all um so typically um earlier in the season we focus a lot more on general conditioning and things like that so we probably will start vaulting um somewhere in october november something like that and we'll we'll kind of build things from the ground up again focus on kind of some some basic technique and make sure some of the fundamentals are down again you, you know throughout the the season sometimes the focus shifts to clearing higher bars and less on um maintaining really good technical um models and everything throughout so um kind of take a look back at that break things down a little bit and then get built up kind of as the season goes and set some practice goals you know where we're we have a goal you know most practices we have a goal when we sit down and we want to focus on one thing that day and try to achieve that and then if if we do we kind of progress things kind of throughout the subsequent practices okay um, so yeah that, that's kind of it, it does morph and evolve as the season goes on but generally there is some sort of goal and if it's a jumping base practice then so what's the what's the pole vault world record uh, 6.16 now. 6.16. Uh, 1.7 maybe even. Yeah, 1.7. Um, meters. 1.6, sorry, 1.6, yeah. 6.16 yes. meters. Meters, sorry, So 20-something yeah. feet, yeah. a little over 20 feet. Yeah, Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Quite, quite incredible, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw um, there's a pole vaulter who jumps off of a skateboard that I saw jump um That last, just sounds last silly summer. dangerous. Yeah, it, it does. It's, <laughs> it's quite incredible if you ever look up on youtube his name's boy baptiste and he had jumped um 6.17 that's why i kind of mixed up the numbers for a second okay um just as an unofficial um world record so the uh, skateboarder is does done a little better than the runners yeah yeah it's helpful because they're they're starting off of an elevated height and (laughs) everything so but yeah so anyways it was i got to see that one in person and it, it was incredible to see um someone jump over such a incredibly high height uh, yeah it was um it was quite cool to see in person that's amazing yeah well spencer uh, you know you're an amazing story uh again uh, two golds two silvers representing the golden bears at nationals during your pole vaulting career uh in the spring you won the u sports student athlete community service award Th- thanks for sharing uh thanks for sharing your journey i mean clearly you're, you're very inspirational glad you're you're pretty healthy yeah. and uh glad you're you're pursuing your your dreams both in sports and, and away from sports as well thanks for coming on inside sports thank you reed it's been a pleasure This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, thank you, Mr. Nugent Hopkins. It is 7.53 as we wind down your Labor Day edition of Inside Sports. Another disappointing Labor Day for your Edmonton Eskimos. They uh, get very little going offensively. They fail to score a touchdown for the third time in 11 games this season, and they lose 25-9 to the Calgary Stampeders head coach. Coach Jason Moss talked to Dave and Morley after the game. They beat us. I mean, that's a two-phase whipping. I mean, they, they got us on both sides. I thought our special teams did the job adequately. We had a touch, first touchdown call back in four years. That was the first time we put it in the end zone and got it called back. So we made some strides there, another big return, but it was called back by penalty as well. So obviously there's things you're excited about with our return game, but then obviously we got to fix and correct the mistakes. But offense and defense wasn't good enough tonight. And when you lose two phases of the game to a team like this at home, you know, you're not going to win the game. Uh, 
we saw it last week against Winnipeg. Tonight we saw it again. Uh, you're having trouble with the run game, stopping the run game right now. Yeah, I mean, it's three straight games. I mean, uh, we got to figure it out. We tried everything tonight, and they were just a little bit better than us. So, obviously, we'll corral the guys. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things. We got this one out of the way, if you ask me. I mean, this is, I don't know, what is it, seven straight years down here? Eight, eight now. Eight now. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the same thing that's happened the last eight years. So, it's not much different. It's really how you're going to respond from it. How are you going to, what are you going to, how are you going to wake up tomorrow? You're going to go to work, and how are you going to feel? And then, what are you going to do on Saturday to rectify it? Last year, we came out and want to have one of our best games of the year on Saturday. That's what we have to aim to do this week. Well, that's the one thing that you have on your side is the rematch game usually goes your way. Uh, tell me, just how do you turn this around quickly, or how have you been able to turn it around quickly? What's been the formula in the past where you, you've had games like this in the past where you, you haven't come out and played your best football against the Stampeders, but you're able to turn it around on Saturday, which you're going to have to do this time. It's critical. No question. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, you know, we, we have that mindset where you just put it to bed, you put it to rest, you learn from it, um, and you got to have that mindset where you're going to stick together. I mean, and, and play better football. And, you know, learn from, you know, obviously it's great to play the same opponent the second time. You're playing them in your building. You know, you got to see what your injury situation is to see who's going to play. But ultimately, the guys that strap it up, you know, they've got a little bit different mindset, I guess, on, on the return game. And that's what we've proven in the past. We've always played a much better game. And that's what's got to happen this year. That's got to be your mindset. It's going to happen. All right, that is Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. The final damage today, 25-9 for the uh, Stampeders over the Eskimos. Sean White, three field goals, the only scoring for the green and gold today. They did have a kick return, a punt return touchdown that was called back because of penalty. Natay Ajay, the leading receiver, eight receptions for 58 yards. Ricky Collins had five for 52 on the ground. It was C.J. Gable, 10 carries for just 35 yards. Trevor Harris, 216 yards passing. Bo Levi comes back for Calgary, 263 yards passing. Also a touchdown, and Calgary churning it up on the ground. They had 201 yards rushing. The rematch is Saturday. It's on Ched, 5 o'clock kickoff. Countdown to kickoff will be at 3.30. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports, the studio operator this evening, the one and only Kellen Kennedy. I'm back at 6 o'clock tomorrow for another edition of sports, uh, well, of Inside Sports and sports and a whole bunch of other stuff. Sports will continue. Thanks for listening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.